Welcome to the Indian Silicon Valley podcast. I'm your host Jivraj and on this podcast I speak with founders, investors and domain experts from the Indian Valley trying to understand the art of building a legendary company. In this episode I speak with MSR, CEO of T-Hub. T-Hub is India's leading innovation hub, paving the way for multiple ecosystems to connect and interact with each other in order to ensure the sustainable growth of startups coming from Hyderabad and around. Srinivas Rao Mahankali, popularly known as MSR, has been a serial entrepreneur, having built successful companies in the past. His experience over three long decades in the ecosystem is incredibly valuable, and we decode much of that and more through this insightful conversation. Through the episode, we uncover MSR's journey, the T-Hub fundamentals of startup building, the nature of collaboration T-Hub facilitates, and the programs that keep fueling the energy and passion. T-Hub has now completed seven years since inception, and it is exceptional how far it has come. To understand on a deeper note what it stands for and how MSR is leading the team to make it the world's leading incubator was phenomenally wonderful. I am certain all of you listening will feel the same. But before we get started, here is a quick word about our sponsor. This episode of the Indian Silicon Valley podcast is presented by Stride Ventures, which is one of India's leading venture debt funds, becoming synonymous with innovative startup financing in India. Stride Ventures provides comprehensive solutions going beyond venture debt to cater to distinctive challenges faced by high growth and inherently strong businesses backed by leading institutions. The fund has a portfolio of over 60 plus diversified companies having deployed more than 1500 crore rupees to date. In just over 2 years, Stride Ventures has emerged as the preferred venture debt lender in the Indian ecosystem. To know more about this phenomenal fund, visit strideventures.in that is spelled as s t r i d e v e n t u r e s . i n and with that let's dive in to the 124th episode of the indian silicon valley podcast with msr of t hub thank you so much msr for joining me incredibly delighted to be hosting you jeev thank you for having me here i feel i'm going to be your company and such a pleasure to be talking to you and uh, looking forward to our conversation over the next hour or so awesome thank you so much for those kind words and I remember the first time we connected it was such an honest approach from your end and i was i was i was just shocked to be honest and then it was a joy and admiration feeling when you came to me and i was like okay this also happens but the humility that you have and the kind of things you've done is incredible what i want to deco through the next 60 minutes is pretty much leverage the learnings of your 20 plus year career as a founder and then your next leg of the journey with tihab as to how you are incubating comp- companies and giving back to society and building this incredible ecosystem if you can start with the fact that you started at a time when it services were the big thing and we've moved from a services based ecosystem to a product based ecosystem if you can walk us through the learnings and how the ecosystem has evolved in your experience i think that'll be a very very interesting point to begin sure so jeev as you know i've been around forever and some some friends of mine the ecosystem refer to me as a dinosaur the only difference is dinosaurs are extinct and i'm still around that's one fundamental difference having said that i think uh, 
It's been interesting, right? Uh, when you think about, so as, as probably told you in some other conversation, this is now my the 36th year of my journey. And I've had a journey in, let's say, almost three or four parts. Uh, worked as a professional, then been an entrepreneur. And then the last three years or so, now focused on building out uh, ecosystems for, for different forms of entrepreneurship sort of thing. So I think the landscape has changed tremendously in many ways. First of all, it's about mindset. When I started out working way back in the way back in 1987, I think what most young people wanted to do was first get yourself a good education, get yourself a good job, and then you're kind of set, you know, set for life. That was our primary, you know, focus and driver sort of thing. Everyone around you, your friends, your parents, everybody else said, listen, just focus on getting yourself into a you know, good academic institution, do well in college, get yourself a good job. Of course, there were others who did many things off the beaten path, but by and large, for the vast majority of us, entrepreneurship was not something we aspired for, you know, sort of thing, right? It was very early days. So also, I think in terms of, so I think the biggest change I've seen, if you ask me, is about mindset. So in terms of, first of all, the opportunities today for young people are like at no other time in our history, first. Second is uh, the thinking is much bigger, broader, much more aspirational. Uh, we almost uh, think a lot of people come in with, I can conquer the world mentality. Whereas I think, uh, you know, when we started out, we were a little diffident. Uh, we were a little hesitant because I think the biggest thing for us was about economic security, which is not the case now because many young people today cross and it's not just, let's say, a phenomenon in urban India, but clearly mindset. If you ask me what's the one biggest thing, it's about mindset. It's about confidence. And of course, there's a whole lot of other things which have changed. But if there's one factor you asked me to call out, I would say it's it's that one, confidence and mindset. Absolutely. I can imagine. I think those dreamy eyes have definitely seen the sky now. And that I think reinstores faith in the system. And I'm sure like a lot of peer conversations are also about how far could you go and nothing seems too far, actually. I think that's very interesting to hear. I know, I mean, there's too much context to cover 36 years of a journey. But if you can maybe highlight key key points in your career that actually shaped into becoming who you are, I think that would be interesting for the Indians to understand and gain context from because you've been a part of companies very early. You've also been a part of traditionally raising venture capital as it was back in 10, 15 years back, right? So if you can maybe go through some of those timelines and maybe also the biggest takeaway from those aspects in the road, I think that'll be very helpful, MSR. Sure. So let me you know start at the beginning. So I started, uh, as I mentioned before, I started working when I was about 23, I think, which was about 36 years ago, right? And uh, my first uh, job was with uh, uh, now a mid-sized software services company. It's a company called uh, Sonata, Sonata Software, which, you know, we started off. It was trying to be the first Indian product company back in 1987. So we used to build uh, build software for PCs. So we had uh, some, you know, uh, desktop utility tools. Uh, we had some uh, word processing software. And then we had uh, some other, uh, we had a uh, Indian language desktop publishing system software of that kind. And in those days, so you know, just remember in context, PCs had just come in. So the first PCs we worked on were PCs with uh, 640k RAM, 
two into five and a half inch floppy drives and so on. And uh, software was something which people were not aware of, sort of thing. And so we had to build a market, we had to educate people about the utility of software, etc., etc., and so on, right? So those first few years were really interesting because I'll tell you something else, right? So I happened to be lucky enough to go to, you know, one of India's, um, you know, allied B schools, which is I am Bangalore. So you come up with all these, you know, notions about uh, uh, Michael Porter, you know, strategy frameworks and things like that. And then you actually, when you, when the rubber hits the road, which is when you actually go into the market, right? You realize so much you learn in when you do an MBA, but it doesn't tell you, for example, things like, for example, it doesn't teach you how to sell. So you learn a lot when you go out there and get into the to the field. So that is one. So essentially, in some ways, you are kind of evangelizing in a market which is very nascent. It doesn't exist. So you have to spend a lot of time on educating potential users about what you are doing. Focus so much, not so much on talking about features, but talking about benefits. And always ask yourself, what would you do if you were a consumer? Uh, sort of thing, right? So that that whole part, I think, tremendous learning. One, and then, so I did that for 12 years, two or three entities. Uh, and that's when, you know, actually the, the desire to turn, embark on an entrepreneurial journey became strong. I had the singular, you know, privilege or advantage of having to work with very early stage companies. Companies which today would be referred to as startups. The term didn't exist uh, back in the late 80s and the 90s. So I had the opportunity to work with amazing founders. In one case, I was employee number seven. In one case, I was employee number 20 or whatever, right? And in most cases, I happened to work directly with the founders of those companies. Tremendous learning because you saw firsthand what they went through as they were trying to build a, trying to build a business. And then you figured that uh, so many things which we didn't learn at B school, you know, is what they had to go through pretty much on a dealing with, with clients, dealing with government, dealing with tax authorities, acquiring talent. You know, we didn't have, for example, something like a LinkedIn there. We didn't have Naukri and all of that, right? So how do you get people on board? So tremendous learning. Then one, after having worked for 11 years, start thinking, listen, maybe this is an opportunity for you to try and do something. How long do you want to be working for others as opposed to trying to do something yourself. And I think I was, you know, I'll put it this way, right? I think um, serendipity has played a huge part in my journey. Uh, I've had the, I think most entrepreneurs will tell you that uh, one is what you do. And a lot of the times being in the right place at the right time. And I think I've been, I've been blessed in that way that uh, I've been, had the opportunity to work with some amazing people from whom I learned a lot. And then uh, I got an opportunity to be part of a, entrepreneurial setup. So the first time um, I embarked on something entrepreneurial was back in 99 after 12 years. So you kind of learned the ropes, did a lot of things. And then uh, I got an opportunity. So very interesting thing where large company, a large global company, Intel was investing in that company. And uh, then we had a great journey where Intel acquired part of the company. And then subsequently, four years down the road, uh, IBM acquired the rest of the company. And then after hanging around in IBM for a little while, felt I should be doing one more. And I had this uh, aspiration that, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a cricket buff. So first of all, I regard test cricket as the pinnacle of, of the game. One, because it's something which is long drawn. It's a game of you have to prove yourself over five days, not over three hours like in a 2020 
and second injury over a long period of time so the pitches in australia are different in england are different blah blah and also the hallmark of greatness to me at least in cricket uh, a is about longevity how long you are in the game and second is how well you do in all conditions not just at home but also away and you know as you know the whole software boom started in the mid 90s people created an industry from from nowhere which is now a 200 billion dollar industry I had the opportunity and privilege to meet many of those stalwarts so i said listen we should build there was an opportunity in cyber security we identified that was a relatively a uh, uh, nascent you know area which where none of the large companies were as much focused so we said let's focus on trying to build a company which is uh, dominant at home and significant globally right so that was when second stint started one of the uh, i think a lot of people refer to entrepreneurship as being like a kida once the bug bites you you want to keep doing it so the first time you do it because you want to prove something to yourself and whatever second time you do it because you want to prove that uh, the first time was not a fluke and you also want to test yourself under different conditions right so both of which happened and uh, a good journey built a good sized company and then 2019 we got acquired by the national stock exchange so the first company was largely bootstrapped uh, even though intel was an investor but intel was more a strategic investor and the second company raised some venture money so i've had an experience of being on both sides of the fence lots of interesting learning in terms of uh, what it takes when you build bootstrap and uh, you know what happens when you take venture money and i'm always asked this question i say listen there's no absolute answer to this it depends on where you are what you are doing how quickly you are looking at growing how much you know issues around autonomy control all of those things are you know it's a complex equation with many variables and i don't think there's a one size fits all answer to the whole thing so interesting journey and then uh, 2019 is when we sold uh, the cyber security company we sold it to the national stock exchange and then post that i was thinking you know what should i do because uh, opportunity one was to do a third but uh, there were one or two things which i think didn't i didn't particularly enjoy so for example the amount of travel i would do uh, i would be on the road for somewhere between 120 to 150 days because we had offices in dubai saudi then we had offices in uh, cupertino and uh, jersey city plus three offices in india bangalore so i saw a lot of uh, i managed to become a platinum flyer on most airlines right so i said you know let me do something else where uh, as i said before right one first time to prove second time not a fluke both of which i think i would say managed to so i said listen is there a way to for me to give back right and give back in a meaningful way by and again i think i am the kind of guy who likes to i like to get my hands dirty so one option is to go back and become a board member something or whatever but i felt you know if, if i'm more operationally involved so the first thing i did was i joined an entity called game uh, which is an entity around uh, trying to we have a very large micro small and medium enterprise sector in india which sadly has been uh, it is not something where there are several significant barriers to the sector you know scaling and growing things around lack of access to example to finance and then uh, challenges on they tend to be at the mercy of large buyers from a working capital cycle standpoint they have obviously challenges in attracting 
high quality talent and all of that did that for about 15 months i again had the opportunity to work with some fabulous people like uh, mr ravi ventation madan padaki and uh, mekin maheshwari so that was my first foray into the impact sector if you will learned a lot etc and then this opportunity to come into t hub uh, came in in uh, sometime around august 2021 and uh, for multiple reasons uh, i jumped at it personally one is uh, while i'm a hyderabadi at heart did a lot of my early schooling here in hyderabad and uh, family here parents and all of that wanted to there's an opportunity after 27 years in bangalore to come back to hyderabad to be closer to my family and uh, second was uh, tihab great vision conceptualized by the leaders here about doing primarily how do you foster innovation and encourage entrepreneurship right and i felt uh, whatever i had learned over the last three decades plus uh, could be put put to you know some use uh, hopefully good use uh, in building a you know a world class uh, entrepreneurial ecosystem and that's why i'm here Wow, I think that's a legendary story in itself. I think uh, it takes a lot of perseverance and resilience and a lot of passion to have gone through the journey that you have. And I think the common trail, which is very interesting, I think that remains the same in today's entrepreneur as well, uh, which is you know the hunger aspect of it, right? Just the that's that's at least my takeaway that there was a sense of hunger at each point in time, and then you fulfill that hunger by. creating value from scratch and with different roadmaps in different sectors but this is phenomenal i think that's a very very helpful context to a phenomenal journey congratulations to you on that and i'm sure uh, i'm sure the best is ahead of you and we're going to see incredible stuff with tihab and i don't know if there's a third stint still that we get to witness but hopefully we do but having said that i think uh, just double clicking on that aspect as as somebody amidst i'm sure a lot of young energy energy like mine right like a lot of new trends and so much how do you enable a lot of the a lot of the things that you have learned in the past but also how do you keep relearning right like how do you keep up almost because it seems like uh, you've kept learning since the day you started but of course there has to come a time where this becomes part of day to day so how do you make sure that mindset of learning is always there a, a very quick segue but i'd love to get your thoughts there so so two things i think yeah one is uh, i think one has to be naturally curious so i think that you know all on i mean anyone who's done anything entrepreneurial right has to have uh, a little bit of a you know let's say a problem solver mentality if you will and second is you have to be curious and i think i can add a couple of others i think one is you have to you have to read you have to read read a lot you know because you know i get a lot of my whatever uh, insights perspectives by reading uh, i sadly i think the reading has come down a little bit not as much as i would like to do uh, but at one time i used to pride myself that i would do at least uh, 30 books in a year so that you know reading opens up the mind gives you exposure to different ex- influences and all of that so that is one and the fourth is i think listen so be naturally curious second is uh, you know have a problem solver mindset third is uh, you know uh, read uh, listen got it i think that's both tactical and both qualitative in nature so 
most folks can action it, but very hard to disagree there and so comprehensive in nature. Love it. Uh, I think coming to the next aspect, we're chatting at the brink of the foundation day of T-Hub, uh, which is a special occasion for everyone there. But what's very interesting is that from an ecosystem perspective, from a policy perspective, it's been very difficult to create something at scale. And what T-Hub is trying to do is just get multiple parts of the spectrum together and bind it in an ecosystem. If I were to you know, ask you to give us a primer on what the T-Hub stands for and what has the approach been over time, especially even before you and since you've joined, I think that would help the audience get a more intrusive outlook to what T-Hub does and what the fundamentals are. would love to know from you. So a little bit of a uh, little bit of history we have to start with so that you get context. So as you know, when the first you know, IT services started to take off in a big way back in the 90s, the forerunner of what you see today, right, uh, before the internet generation and all of that. Hyderabad, I think, was uh, pretty much at the forefront along with one or two other cities like obviously Bangalore, for example, and so on. Then, uh, you know, for I think 15 years from the, you know, let's say the early 90s to about 2006-07 type of thing, Hyderabad had a glorious run in the IT services space, etc. Then 2008 to 2015 was a little bit of a, you might call it a, you know, a slow period uh, because we had, there was some political turmoil leading to the formation of the state and all of that stuff. So there, I think we kind of, you might say, it's fair to say we regressed a bit during that time. So 2014 is when the new state of Telangana was formed in June 2014. So the leadership in in uh, which is also the leadership which is currently in in power at this point, they had a far-reaching uh, and dramatic vision of what needed to be done. So they said, "Listen, we have to focus on making sure Hyderabad has its rightful place in the sun. We have many things which we have going for us. We have a, a, a city which combines history and tradition with modernity." Uh, we have a great set of academic institutions in the city. We have some high quality entrepreneurs in different sectors. So, for example, as you know, G Pharma is a sector where I think it's fair to say Hyderabad is definitely the pharma capital of India and possibly the pharma capital of the world. And then we had other you know companies in, for example, in uh, infrastructure, some of our largest infrastructure companies who built airports, roads, dams, etc. based out of Hyderabad. Etc. So we needed to do something to place Hyderabad on the global tech map, both as a center for innovation and a center for entrepreneurship. So that is how it was conceived radically differently. And I'll tell you what I mean by radically differently. It was conceived as a public-private partnership. Okay. Best minds of academia. So we had the Indian School of Business, which is probably India's leading B school. Uh, we had triple IT and then we had the National Academy of uh, Legal Studies and Research coming together, partnering with the government of Telangana to set up this entity called T-Hub. So the idea was, how do we, you know, almost from a standing start, if you will, set up an entity which will foster uh, innovation and encourage entrepreneurship. So T-Hub was officially launched on the 5th of November 2015. And uh, so in the last seven years, uh, we have, you know, obviously, when we started, there were only two incubators in Hyderabad. It's my pleasure to tell you now there are 70. So I think it's fair to say to some extent, T-Hub has been both inspirational and aspirational in that sense to create, uh, you know, something which 
others can look to emulate and create a, uh, there are again obviously there are a bunch of metric you know how many startups how many jobs have been created how much funding has been obtained etc but also i think more than apart from that you know the softer aspects about making entrepreneurship aspirational and uh, inspiring many many young people to think of entrepreneurship as a you know choice of career moving away from a job seeker to a job giver mentality uh, and creating a model a real role model of how private enterprise government and academia can come together to high quality institutions i think tiab really at the risk of sounding a little immodest does really stand out that's phenomenal no i think that's absolutely fitting uh, not immodest at all but uh, the vision i mean in all my interactions very briefly as well and what i have been briefly able to hear there is such a positive sentiment to the value being generated not just on the campus but also the vision of what it wants to become and how it brings people together and that's what i want to understand next on a more tactical level when you're working with various stakeholders right building a startup and you have the 6m ideology as well requires a lot of different pieces right and so if you're supporting a group of people building something you need those pieces in bulk uh, to have partnered and see eye to eye with the common objective talk to us about how you create an infrastructure which enables multiple stakeholders to come together and how that functions in sync because i think that remains to be a you know stakeholder alignment problem statement would love to know what the solution from a t hub standpoint is and how you've been able to carve out a niche on that aspect sure so when you think about ji uh, when you think about an entrepreneurial ecosystem right so just think about you know if you start trying to you know looking at the different layers or the different actors involved so obviously entrepreneurs are at the front and center and again there are two types of entrepreneurs there there are one is people who just started there are people who want to start there are people who started and there are people who already you know got to the next level so that's one one block uh, the second block is say uh, large industries or you know successful large companies which have built scale they have a huge role to play in engaging with these early stage entrepreneurs they can provide tremendous value in multiple ways so obviously they can play a role as from a market access standpoint as mentors in some cases funding and also sharing their stories of how they've gone through issues challenges and you know their their own growth pangs and so on right so that's one part the third part is uh, academia and research so in several areas particularly in areas around deep tech etc where you are chart working on relatively uncharted waters uh, getting in somebody who can bring deep subject matter research subject matter expertise and backed up by research to the table is the third player the fourth is uh, obviously funding funding entities uh, which could be banks which could be private equity etc and the, then the fifth is around industry associations uh, who have the ability to to create uh, you know collaborative communities where peer to peer you know networking and all of that and then you have of course you have the you have the media which has a role to play in terms of creating you know creating exposure visibility highlighting role models and all of that and then of course the government uh, government has a big role uh, both from a standpoint of uh, making it easier for people for it for people to set up businesses helping align policies which are friendly and reduce the you know essentially focus on ease of doing business and reduce 
regulatory overhang and all of that so these are i just giving you a you know kind of lay of the land in terms of all of this so the way we look at thub as we evolve over a period of time is to also become an orchestrator of this ecosystem or a catalyst sort of thing. now each stakeholder has a certain set of things which the stakeholder is is worried about so one of the challenges is for us to see how you can balance the gives and takes between to how do you get alignment of interest right broadly to support the chap in the you know the center the chap in the center is the entrepreneur uh, who has to be the focus of everything we do so that's what we are trying to basically do it is a no gain saying that there's a lot of work involved uh, in terms of understanding the motivations the key drivers for each of these actors and how do we almost arrive at i mean uh, i use this word uh, sometimes in jest that it's almost like arriving at a common minimum program to align to ensure alignment of interests to make sure everyone gets his or her place in the sun you know everyone gets credit for what is being done uh, but end of the day making sure that the might of this potentially very powerful ecosystem is aligned behind getting these entrepreneurs to to build to scale to grow uh, and to sustain absolutely i love the clarity there because i think that provides a very helpful framework to look at how entrepreneurs can also navigate and build an ecosystem also by themselves diy when the hub is not available and when it is how you can leverage something like this on a broad basis and how multiple stakeholders can work together because i think entrepreneurship is such a leveler and we require so many of us to have made something special so that's tremendous to take a refuge in an old cliche it takes a village to raise a child absolutely perfectly sums it up what i'd also be very fascinated to understand is that considering that you've now been the considerable journey of multiple startups having been at t hub if i'm not wrong the number is in thousands if you can maybe you know give us your vantage point of how these trajectories of companies build insight the way i look at my podcast for instance it's an insight delivery mechanism on company building similarly when you're looking at a thousand companies having been born out of t hub or you know having been there what is the core layers of learnings that you can share with us that early stage builders if listening to you can find actionable and build their own companies with sure this could be a very long answer ji but i'll try and keep it short i think uh, so first right i think uh, when when someone decides i want to be an entrepreneur i think uh, the first thing is uh, you need to have some clarity on what is the problem which you are trying to solve so i think it starts with that uh, and in many cases the problem you are trying to solve is something which you have experienced let's say viscerally for example or it's something which you felt listen this is huge let's say gap you know or opportunity or something which needs to be solved for us to you know for us to become a better place you know sort of thing right uh, sort of thing so i think the first thing i tell people is you know first understand why you are trying to do something right because there are many reasons why one may want to become an entrepreneur sometimes you know people tell me that uh, and very few actually honestly very few come back and tell me that i want to do this because of the money at least uh, in my own old old fashioned way that's a by product right if you build something sustainable lasting the money will come so i think first is focus on the problem so spend time on understanding the problem you know a lot of other issues around is the problem you are solving impacting a large number of people 
relatively small group of people and what happens if the problem does not get solved one second is what are the alternative approaches to solving that problem and what is the approach you know let's say there could be multiple ways you know to to solve an issue so if there is a particular path you are going down on how different how unique is the is the way you are trying to solve that problem is the way you are solving it just incremental slightly better than what's already being done or is it truly disruptive you know are you changing the paradigm at all are you discovering uh, for example a market where a market didn't exist where there was a latent let's say desire if you will or need for this problem to be solved but nobody got around to solving it type of thing or are you just trying to build something because something is uh, fashionable so for example e-commerce is fashionable so let's do it or uh, you know building drones is fashionable sort of thing so i think so one is problem second is of course two you know very strong things which are about hunger and passion right because i think you cannot build anything sustainable if you don't have these you know these attributes uh, and third of course a whole bunch of other things about you know researching the idea well enough figuring out you know the landscape you know figuring out how you can be different you know all those questions around what mode can you build how do you assemble a great team how do you get your product market fit you know those standard i think the intangibles right which is the hunger the passion uh, and of course you know perseverance i can't think of too many founders who haven't gone through many knocks before they got to actually building a business which could you know you know scale and sustain and also you know other attributes around being able to to again going back to the same thing you know learning and listening and uh, you know collaborating being humble about what you are doing you know so got it that's very interesting and this suddenly popped up and maybe a quick rabbit hole i am sure at this stage that some founders come to you it's very difficult to let's say attest to some of these intangibles unless you know them in and out so what i'm saying at is what are early signals to some of the great founders that you've spoken to including yourself maybe right like i mean uh, what do you think can be early identifiers of these things what are soft signals that great people eventually give away in your opinion i think that'll be an interesting thing to understand sure so first of all uh, thank you for putting me in that bucket i don't think i deserve to be there but you know that's a separate discussion anyway having said that i think clearly right again in terms of uh, and i know some of these things are hard to gauge particularly after one or two meetings but i think there are some things right which is if someone comes and tells you listen i've been thinking about solving this problem for a long time clearly to me that's a giveaway that this is something which you know is very close to that guy's heart second is uh, if you look at what for example if there's a first time entrepreneur right who's been working somewhere and then decided to turn entrepreneur uh, look at what he's done what he's done at his work life how many things has he done which are kind of outside of the beaten path you know almost like trail less trodden sort of thing and also you know other factors for example uh, suppose you have one conversation you know or two conversations you can start to get a sense of how hungry the guy is about pursuing the idea because at an early stage right honestly jeep i think so one is obviously the idea the team hunger and passion those are what you really work with the early stage i wish i had a assessment framework could put a patent on that and make a lot of money but it's something which a lot of it is very you know instinctive gut feel based but you can see it i mean i see it for example 
Um, we have a couple of founders here who are all of 21, 22. But within like five to ten minutes of meeting them, you know, is bande mein fire hai. Ye kuch karega. It's absolutely true. I think uh, I've just had the privilege on being on the other side and we passively observe how, uh, not early signs, but what the energy some great founders radiate. And, and I've been very grateful for that. But this has been very interesting. I think we've covered a bunch of aspects around how the T-Hub aspect really comes to shape. But the other important piece of the pie is going to be the team. And I'd love to know that, you know, coming in as CEO, there must have been some sort of transition that you have, you must have had to go through as well. And then, you know, you have to not just build a team from scratch, but also mold the team to what your style is or even vice versa. If you were to give a give us an overview of how you look at building a team that builds products for founders, which is perhaps one of the toughest, most challenging problem statements to do. What would be your formula? What is the team at T-Hub like? And what do you look for in terms of the formula to have within T-Hub uh, so that you can build for future entrepreneurs? I would personally would love to know that. Sure. So I think uh, clearly, you know, so when I came in, you know, we were just kind of getting out of the pandemic and, uh, you know, a lot of people had worked together for, you know, a year, year and a half without actually getting to meet each other in person, just doing things using virtual you know, uh, mediums. So I think uh, to that extent, and, uh, you know, first getting to understand people, right? I think the first thing when you move into a into a new role, which is you know, already existing, is you have to spend time to get to understand the whole landscape. You know, what is it that we are doing? Why are we doing that? How are we doing it? Uh, have we benchmark against what others are doing? Then what are the individual motivations of each of these people? You know, what is it? You have to get to know them as people, uh, not just a set of you know, metrics, you know, or KRAs or KPIs, but really get to know them as people. Because ultimately, people work for people, right? I mean, I know they work for an institution, they work for a T-Hub or they work for a, a Microsoft or a Google or whatever. But ultimately, people like to work with people, right? And good teams are when you have people who bring complementary skills. Second is uh, where dissent and disagreement is encouraged in a healthy way. Uh, almost like saying, I'm, let's agree to disagree in an agreeable way. And then, you know, conformity is not required. Give scope for learning, give scope for experimentation. And importantly, in, in our case at T-Hub, a lot of the work we have to do is very collaborative in nature. Because there are some things which we do ourselves. There are some things which we are using, you might call it influence, you know, if you mean if you understand where I'm coming from, the power of persuasion, etc., to, to this thing. So that requires a very high, you know, a certain level of empathy in, in one ways, and also a very collaborative mindset. So that's what I really look for, right? People who are who are driven at the same time but are also collaborative. I think we are very big on humility okay, because that's what is required when you're part of this. Uh, and obviously, you know, other things, obviously integrity is a non-negotiable. So that's what we try and do. So I think uh, I've been lucky uh, that I think uh, all my predecessors have done a you know pretty uh, good job of putting together a good team. Obviously, building on it, uh, we had to, there were some some people who were not stepping up, not necessarily aligned to the overall bigger vision which we are putting in place. Uh, 
so some of them have moved on but i think uh, all in all i think uh, a good team absolutely i can't imagine anything less than that but that again is very helpful in a structured way to look at how founders can also build teams because i think there are a lot of mutual components there but this has been very helpful as an extension of that msr and this this comes from a place of admiration but i personally have noticed how responsive and supportive and humble you have been to a lot of people including myself and as an attestation to that i had the chance to speak to one of your colleagues vijay and shout out to him for giving me some time and he pointed out very specifically that uh, there's a leadership style which comes from the front right you're leading from the front you're responsive and you are just out there all the time without the admiration point i would love to understand from you considering that you know you've led companies now you're leading an ecosystem of sorts and you've also seen multiple other leaders in your journey if you were to highlight some core leadership traits uh, because a founder eventually goes from co-founder building something to the ceo aspect of it right talk to us about that transition perhaps and traits that actually highlight and build the best leaders in your opinion sure i think i've covered some of that ground earlier but i'll say it again i think first is in terms of whether you're you know building a company or you're trying to build an ecosystem first thing is you really need to spend time to understand the whole landscape in which you are operating okay so first know your domain well i mean let me put it that way that's one second is you don't necessarily need to be the smartest guy in the room too often we you know we we tend to look for for leaders who are supermen there are multiple you know obviously there are different leadership styles but uh, you know clearly i think when you're building a team uh, one of the things i look for is do i have people on the team who are who are smarter than me so my job is to you know to empower them you know give them freedom ask them to put together a plan help them execute support them in the execution monitor and track what they're doing and by and large stay out of the way so collaboration which i talked about the humility part uh, which i talked about then you know obviously the capacity for hard work and uh, capacity to handle constru- uh, you know confrontation constructively and uh, you know there are many times when things don't go the way you want them to go uh, but then the sun will rise tomorrow irrespective of what happened so you have to be an optimist i think fundamentally for a, as a leader i think a key trait if you ask me is uh, you have to obviously be optimist sometimes you have to be realist but clearly i'm not very sure being a pessimistic is a <laughs> is a way of red flag right yeah so uh, empathetic by example humble collaborative and uh, yeah and of course achievement driven you know what is it that we are doing today which is moving the needle for the stakeholders we are working with absolutely i think that summarizes the recipe for a great leader and that's very helpful i think as we conclude the episode there are a couple of final pointers one thing that as a youngster i think about from afar is what is the role of policy in entrepreneurship right because it feels like entrepreneurship is the biggest leveler and there are you know things happening uh, that large companies cannot do in two years happening in startups in a quarter uh, and that is the beauty of it uh, where does policy come in in the midst of this and what is your observation been from a policy standpoint if you can just give us an inside view of how that part of the ecosystem functions i think that'll be very helpful especially from 
for masses who are not a part of inner circles per se sure so i think uh, the government has a huge role to play and i think it's fair to say in the last let's say last decade right uh, both at uh, center at the central government level as well as at the state government level a huge number of initiatives have been taken have been undertaken to promote and encourage entrepreneurship right so for example startup india incidentally is also about 7 years old etc and all of that so i think in terms of uh, in terms of uh, for example from a startup lens how do you make it easier for a startup to set up right to ease the regulatory burden second is uh, what kind of incentives can you give some of it is fiscal incentives so for example fiscal incentives based on job creation uh, fiscal incentives based on uh, revenue growth uh, fiscal incentives on ip you know suppose you're creating some ip you know some patents and so on right so those i think across the board both at the center and state a number of initiatives have been done i think the government has also a big role to play to uh, the government is has a huge reach outreach uh, possibilities is also about uh, looking at these uh, you know at the, i think all governments typically now recognize the new economy if you will is uh, going to be a huge lever for for job creation so recognizing these heroes and you know end of the day you know jeev i don't know if you read maslow but all of us have a very high need for for recognition uh, so that's another part where the government can play a big big role government also has as you know i think in terms of uh, for example several large uh, you know as an example for example if you take uh, let's say defense as an example which is a sector which is opening up uh, government is creating playing a huge role through programs like idex in encouraging startups to focus on solving complex problems government is also obviously through you know through entities like sidbi the fund of funds and all of that as i think has played a huge role in giving an impetus to the funding ecosystem so in multiple ways i think the government has a huge role to play in uh, uh, in supporting and scaling the startup absolutely that's super helpful in identifying the levers in which policy can play a role and i mean from afar it seems like there's a distance but as you pointed out i think there's already a lot happening and there's more to come so that's very refreshing to hear and uh, very very hopeful of the future that way awesome i think for the two last questions i think one is more stereotypical in nature but one that definitely is food for thought and i hope it adds to everybody listening but if you had to go back 36 years and say something to your you know a uh, younger self what would that be considering that you now have 36 years of wisdom with you if you had to condense all of that to some early signals you had to say of course you said a lot about what the learnings have amounted to but what is that single most important piece that you would like to say to your younger self i think that always is a good reminiscing thought would love to know from you what that is keep the passion going always indeed and keep the passion going is a great motto to end on but since we're talking at the brink of foundation day as i earlier mentioned on the show uh would love to know from a future seeking lens and a past lens as to what your motivation to build the hub is and what are we going to expect from a future lens of what the ecosystem for startups can mean uh, i think that'll be a great note to end on from a standpoint of knowing what all to expect and what can we do as stakeholders in the ecosystem either startup builders either funders or what not to contribute to the same sure 
so i'll uh, take a little bit of a, i'll take a little bit of a t hub lens at this point for this question so i think uh, there is an entity uh, called startup genome uh, i don't know if you looked at their uh, i think it's based out of geneva if i remember right so they publish a annual ranking of uh, entrepreneurship ecosystems and uh, hyderabad uh, is now ranked among the top 60 entrepreneurial ecosystems across the world they have a very comprehensive mechanism research research methodology bunch of you know different criteria they evaluate on uh, we got into that list i think about 2 years ago uh, so clearly there is a lot of headroom for us to to get forward okay that's at a you know ranking level but i think more than that right it's about how many entrepreneurial journeys have we influenced how many what have we been able to do to get the entrepreneurs to build a scalable sustainable businesses right businesses which are not you know uh, flash in the pan you know here today not tomorrow type of thing and have created you know jobs right apart from creating wealth so that's what really you know uh, it sounds like a little bit philosophical but you know that's really what we are trying to do and also get you know uh, the various players in the ecosystem working together uh, you know when when you have a large ecosystem at play you will have points of friction right it's it's like a large family but how do we pull you know get all the the whole family tugging in you know in one one direction what one is endeavoring to do lovely i think that is great to hear and that summarizes the conversation in a great great stead we've covered a bunch of aspects around what it means to have you know gone through a journey of multiple decades to understanding how to contribute to the best leadership teams and what thub is doing and even beyond that thank you so much msr for your time i think i have thoroughly enjoyed this last hour and i hope you had some takeaways as well no so i think uh, first of all uh, thank you jeep for having me and uh, it's been a pleasure and privilege and i didn't realize we spent an hour and the time is just flown by Uh, and some really great uh, you know insightful questions and uh, so thank you for that and uh, look forward to seeing you soon absolutely thank you so much this was an absolute pleasure awesome with that we come to the end of this conversation thank you so much for tuning in to the episode i really hope you enjoyed it as much as i did if you're finding value with the podcast do follow it on the audio streaming platform of your choice drop in a review and subscribe to our whatsapp newsletter to get all the updates directly on your inbox thanks again i will see you next week for another episode till then i hope you record if you never try you'll never know stay tuned and keep building